0: section 13 of talks about flowers this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by betty b talks about flowers by mary decker welcome gloxinia this bulbous plant is a native of the tropical region of south america and deserves a more general culture all the varieties of this genus are very handsome magnificent is not too strong a term to apply to many of them they may be raised from seed by sowing early in spring in a finely sifted soil of leaf mould and garden loam but great care is needful and then one has to wait the following year for the flowers it is best to obtain the bulbs in the spring all started then they will bloom during the summer mine had several leaves and i removed them from the thumb pots to five inch size which i judged would be sufficiently large for them they need plenty of light and heat and plenty of air to prolong the flowering an occasional watering with manure water should be given in the autumn they must be gradually dried off and the bulbs kept in a warm dry place secure from frost they can be potted any time from february to may the bulb must be planted so that its top will be level with the surface of the soil and watered sparingly until the leaves appear. I will describe a few superlatively beautiful. Cinderella, pure white with pink band. Brilliant, bright crimson, margined with rose, rich violet throat. Rose d'amour, rose carmine, cream-colored throat, zone of cerise. Nero, dark purple, white throat. Princess royal, tube and edges white, throat mottled with dark blue. Lamartine, very beautifully undulated, magnificent shape, white-bordered rose limb, veering to cochineal, marbled with white and elegantly veined with rose. Boule de Neige, pure snowy white and abundant bloomer. These are only a few selections from the many, but sufficient to give you an idea of the variety of colors. Tuberose. What flower can be whiter, sweeter, and more lovely than the tuberose, as the flowering bulbs can be bought for 10 and 15 cents according to size? No need be without this charming flower. It is a native of the East Indies and was introduced into Europe more than 200 years ago. Until recently, Italy grew the tubers for Europe and America, but it has now been discovered that American-grown tuberoses are superior in quality to the imported, and many florists of Europe now advertise them. Here is a description of the tuberose, which appeared originally in a volume entitled The Flower Garden Displayed, published in England in 1732. This is a bulbous root, brought to us from Italy every year. It brings a spike of white flowers on the top of a stalk about three feet high, and is very sweet-scented. The flower buds are a little tinted with a lake or carmine color. We raise this by planting the roots in pots of fine earth and plunging them in hotbeds in February or March, but give them no water till they sprout. Then we have this flower in July. Or else set the roots in a warm border under a south wall, and they will some of them flower in August and some in September, or this month or the next. When these blossom, you may pot them, and set them into the greenhouse, and some will even bloom in December. Mr. Vick, from whose magazine we quote the foregoing, gives an engraving copied from the work, showing the character of the tuberose as it was nearly a century and a half ago. It represents a small, single flower that would be lightly esteemed by us. The flower stalk is from three to five feet in height, and bears from twenty-five to eighty blossoms. The pearl is much the finest sort. When the bulbs are obtained from the florist, they have usually several little tubers round the large one. These ought to be taken off and placed in rich, mellow soil to the depth of four or five inches. They must be cared for by keeping the earth loose and watering occasionally. Before frost, they should be lifted, their tops cut away, and then kept in a dry, warm place during the winter. The strongest ones will usually blossom in the autumn, but summer flowering bulbs are so cheap it seems scarcely worth the trouble. Will tuberose's flower the second year is a question frequently asked and usually answered in the negative, even by popular florists. A writer in an English periodical, Gardner's Chronicle, gives the following facts. Last year, instead of throwing away all our plants when they had done flowering, as is, I believe, customary, I saved back twelve plants, not picked ones which were placed under a stage in a late vinery, where they remained until the end of april without receiving any water to the roots other than what they derived from the moisture of the house by which time most of them had thrown up their flower spikes which proceeded from young tubers formed immediately upon the top or crown of the old ones and from the union of which when the plants had received a thorough watering and otherwise were subject to a growing temperature a profusion of roots emanated, after which the plants received a suitable shift to a small 24. The spikes of these plants, although not so strong or fine as those produced by tubers imported last autumn, are nevertheless good, both in spike and each individual flower, which, moreover, expanded in the most satisfactory manner possible, so much so that this and other seasons I intend to save all my tuberoses for flowering the second year, and perhaps the third. I may here remark for the information of the uninitiated in tuberose culture that in potting the tubers all little bulbets or offsets should be rubbed off, and subsequently any suckers which may appear should be removed forthwith. Otherwise failure to flower these most beautifully scented flowers will in all probability Be the result. The plant is of comparatively easy and simple culture, and considering the value of the tuberose while in flower and its great suitability for bouquet making, etc., the wonder is that it is not more extensively cultivated in private establishments as well as by market gardeners. A gentleman writes me of a new method with tuberoses, new to him, and he says that in a large range of horticultural reading. He has never seen it mentioned, nor heard of its being used, except in the instance he cites. He says, I have grown tuberoses for the past ten years with varying success, but the main difficulty has been that so long a time has been required in rooting and stocking them that the first frost finds a large proportion of them just budding, or not commenced to spindle. Had tried various places, hotbed, furnace room, and hothouse, and all the early spring months and december but that made no difference they would not start until they got ready and i lost many bulbs from rotting two years ago a friend who had had a similar experience surprised me by showing me plants about the first of may with fine tops that had been planted for three weeks and the first of june had stalks a foot high while my bulbs which had been planted the first of february did not commence to sprout until june although they had been in a hothouse under favorable conditions. Now the reason simply was this. He had taken his bulbs and not only pulled off all the small ones attached, but had dug out with a sharp knife all the small eyes, and had cut off the whole of the tuberous part, leaving only the bulb proper. This I tried on one half my bulbs, with the result that they were nearly two months earlier than those planted the same time that I did not cut. Although this seems to be rather severe treatment of the bulb, it has given such good results that I propose to continue the practice. My own experience is that of late blooming. Of the dozen I planted in the border in June, five were finally budded when taken up in September and have since bloomed. Two others had just begun to spindle. The others, with one exception, look as though they would not stalk. Next year, I propose to try this new method. End of section 13